0: A what? That we didn't do something. Uh, now you feel that way because we left in such a hurry. We took care of everything. Believe me, we did. Did I turn off the coffee? No. I did. Did you lock up? Yeah.
1: Did you close the garage? That's it. I forgot to close the garage. That's it.
0: Not it. What else can we be forgetting?
1: Kevin. I have found that many Christians, when it comes to serving the Lord and being sold out for God, act exactly like Kevin's mother in the movie Home Alone. On this episode of the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast, we are going through Satan's devices to keep souls from holy duties to hinder souls in holy services, and to keep them off from religious performances. What are Satan's devices and means to get you or scare you away from serving the Lord and being completely, 100% all in towards Christ, spreading the gospel, and serving him with your life? Last week, we dealt with device number one, where Satan will present the world in such a beautiful dress in a garb to your soul to ensnare you and win affection. To the world. This week on this episode of the podcast, we're dealing with, in my opinion, the number one reason why people do not serve the Lord. And if you go back, I do want you to think upon Kevin's mother and how she reacted in her fear. That is exactly how Christians in our churches today act towards serving the Lord. You're listening to the BPS podcast. It's time now for the quote of the episode. This week's quote on the Bearing Precious Sea podcast is going to be a bit different than normal. I won't be reading it this time. We're actually going to have Caleb Garraway, the evangelist who started Remnant Ministries. He is the narrator of Jim Elliott, is who we're quoting. The great missionary who went to the Akka Indians and was slain by them. And if you've ever read his testimony, how tremendous it truly is. I just want you to listen to the words of this diary entry by Jim Elliott, the great missionary, to see exactly how his heart was, and maybe the Lord will speak to you on how your heart should be as well. Listen in with me.
0: Our dreams are tawdry, showy, but cheap and of poor quality when they are compared to the leading of God. They are not worthy of the aura of wonder we usually surround them with. God only doeth wonders. His hand can work nothing less. In my own experience, I have found that the most extravagant dreams of boyhood have not surpassed the great experience of being in God's will. I believe that nothing could be better. His will is always a bigger thing than we bargain for. But we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, acceptable, and perfect father let me lose my clutch on everything temporal my life my possessions lord help me release the tension of my grasping hand open it as christ's was opened to receive the nail of calvary that i might be unleashed from all that binds me god saturate me with the oil of the spirit that I may be aflame. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. Surely those who know the great compassionate heart of God must deny their own loves to share in the expression of His. Compelled by His call from the throne above, from those round about, and even from the damned souls below, I dare not stay home while others perish. It makes me boil when I think of the power we profess and the utter impotency of our action. We are spiritual pacifists in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. American believers have sold their lives to the service of mammon and the tombs themselves are not colder than our well-fed churches. Their condemnation is written in the dust on their Bible covers. We are content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged Young men are going into professional fields because they don't feel called. We don't need a call. We need a kick in the pants. We need a stirring. May God send us forth, because he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I pray that the Lord will give you a hallowed daredevil spirit in lifting the sword of truth consuming you with a passion that is called by the cultured citizen of Christendom fanaticism, but known to God as that saintly madness that led his son through bloody sweat and hot tears to glory. How long dare we go on without passion and love? Not long, I pray, Lord Jesus. Not long. Are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh. Come here. It's a secret. squash. <laughs> oh, enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. you move Mufasa's boy. Bye. Hey, wait. <sighs> you know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Don't stop. Hurry up! Hey, whoa, wait, wait. Come on. Come on! Would you slow down? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. What was that? (laughs) The weather. (laughs) Very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but... going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So, what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Better stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back!
1: If you are unfamiliar, what you just heard is from the movie The Lion King, which in case you did not know and maybe you wanted to, that is the absolute best Disney movie ever. And I don't care if you disagree because I know I'm right. It's number one. It's the best. The Lion King, the original one, I may say, is the best Disney movie ever. He was scared to go back and to claim his kingdom. He had so much fear in his life for years as he was with Timon and Pumbaa living in the jungle and they were having their good time eating a lot of bugs, but he had fear and he was scared. That goes right along with, with device number two on how Satan is getting you to keep yourselves from holy duties, to hinder your soul in holy services, and to keep you from religious performances. Device number two of Satan in order to keep you from holy duties to keep you off from religious services is by presenting to you the danger, the losses, and the sufferings which come upon the people who serve the Lord. By this device, Satan kept those who believed on Christ from confessing of Christ in John twelve forty two. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I would walk in all the ways of God. I would give up myself to the strictest way of holiness. But I am afraid of dangers that will attend me on the one hand, and losses and such and such sufferings on the other hand, says many people today. Oh, how we should keep ourselves against this temptation and device of Satan. Satan wants you to believe that you are are going to go through so much pain and loss and suffering. And many Christians are not serving the Lord because of what they would have to give up. Remedy number one against this device of Satan is to consider that all the troubles and afflictions that you meet within a way of righteousness shall never hurt you. They shall never harm you. 1 Peter 3.13 And who is he who shall harm you? if you be followers of that which is good, says the apostle, and I'm paraphrasing a bit there. Nobody is properly hurt by himself and by his own fault. Natural conscience cannot but do homage to the image of God stamped upon the natures, words, works, and life of the godly. As we may see in the carriage of Nebuchadnezzar and Darius towards Daniel, all afflictions and troubles which come upon men who are in the way of righteousness, can never rob them of their treasures, (laughs) of their jewels. They may rob them of some light, slight things, as the flowers or ribbons that be on their hats. Gorgeous was actually this guy's name, G-O-R-D-I-U-S. He was a martyr. And he accounted it a loss to him not to suffer many kinds of tortures, He says, tortures are but tradings with God for glory. The greater the combat is, Christian, the greater is the following reward. The treasures of a saint are the presence of God. The treasures of a saint is the favor of God, union and communion with God, the pardon of sin, the joy of the spirit, and the peace of conscience. These are jewels which none can give but Christ, nor none can take away but Christ. Now why should a gracious soul keep off from a way of holiness because of afflictions? When no afflictions you go through, Christian, can strip a man of his heavenly jewels, which are his ornaments and his safety here, and will be his happiness and glory hereafter. Why should you be afraid or troubled for storms at sea, whose treasures are sure in a friend's hand upon land. Why? A believer's treasure is always safe in the hands of Christ. His life is safe, his soul is safe, his grace is safe, his comfort is safe, and his crown is safe in the hand of Christ. I know him whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Second Timothy one twelve, and I'm paraphrasing there as well. The child's most precious things are most secure in his father's hands. So are our souls, our graces, and our comforts in the hand of Christ. That was a noble speech of Luther who said this Let him who died for my soul see to the salvation of it. Remedy number two against this device of Satan is to consider that other precious saints who were shining lights on earth and are now triumphing in heaven, have held on in religious services, notwithstanding all the troubles and dangers that surrounded them. Nehemiah and Ezra were surrounded with dangers on the left hand and on the right, and yet, in the face of all, they held on building the temple and the wall of Jerusalem. So Daniel and those precious worthies, under the lack of outward encouragements, and in the face of a world of very great discouragements, Their souls cleave to God and His ways. Though bonds and imprisonments did attend Paul, and the rest of the apostles in every place, yet they held on in the work and service of the Lord. And why then, Christians, should you degenerate from their worthy examples, which is your duty and glory to follow? William Fowler, who was a martyr, said this, Heaven will as soon fail as I will forsake my profession or budge in the least degree from it. A man named Sanctus, being under great torments, cries out and says, I am a Christian. No torments could work him to decline the service of God. I might produce a cloud of witnesses, but if these do not assist you, Christian, to be noble and brave, I'm afraid nothing else will. And if you need encouragement, Hebrews chapter 11 would prove fit for that. Remedy number three against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that all the troubles and dangers which attend the performance of all holy duties and heavenly services are but temporal and momentary. But the neglect of those services may lay you open to all temporal, spiritual and eternal dangers. How shall we escape, the Bible says, if we neglect so great a salvation? He says not if we reject or renounce so great salvation, no, but if we neglect or shift off so great salvation, how shall we escape? That is, we cannot by any way or means or device in the world escape. Divine justice will be above us in spite of our very souls. The doing of such and such heavenly services may lay you open to the frowns of men. But the neglect of them will lay you open to the frowns of God. The doing of them may render you contemptible in the eyes of men. But the neglect of those services may render you contemptible in the eyes of God. The doing of them may be the loss of your estate. But the neglect of them may be your loss of God, Christ, heaven, and your soul forever. The doing of them may shut you out. From some outward temporal contents, the neglect of them may shut you out from that excellent matchless glory which eye hath not seen nor ear hath heard, neither has entered into the heart of men. Remember this, that there is no man who breathes but shall suffer more by neglecting those holy and heavenly services that God commands, commends, and rewards than he can possibly suffer by doing them. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Francis Xavier counseled John III, king of Portugal, to meditate every day a quarter of an hour upon the text. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Remedy number four against the device of Satan is to consider that god knows how to deliver from troubles by troubles from afflictions by afflictions from dangers by dangers god by lesser troubles and afflictions does oftentimes deliver his people from greater so that they shall say we would have been perished if we had not perished we would have been undone if we had not been undone we would have been in danger if we had not been in danger." God will so order the afflictions that befall you in the way of righteousness that your soul shall say, We would not for all the world foregone with such and such troubles and afflictions. For surely, had not these afflictions came upon us, it would have been worse and worse with us. Oh, the carnal security, pride, formality, dead-heartedness, lukewarmness, and earthliness which God has cured us of by the trouble and dangers that we have met with in the ways and services of the Lord. I remember a story of a godly man that, as he was going to take a ship for France, he broke his leg. And it pleased Providence so to order it that the ship that he would have gone in was sunk at sea, and not a man saved. So by breaking a bone, his life was saved. So the Lord many times breaks our bones, so to speak, but it is in order to the saving of our lives and our souls forever. He gives us a portion that makes us heart sick, but it is in order to the making us perfectly well and to the purging of us from those ill humors that have made our heads ache and God's heart ache and our souls sick and heavy to the death. Oh, therefore, let no danger or misery hinder you from your duty for God. Remedy number five against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that you shall gain more in the service of God. And by walking in righteousness and holy ways, though troubles and afflictions should attend you, then you can possibly suffer or lose by your being found in the service of God. Godliness is great gain. First Timothy six, six. Oh, the joy, <laughs> the peace, the comfort, the rest, which saints meet within the ways of service to God. They find that religious services are not empty things, but things in which God is pleased to discover His beauty and glory to their souls. Oh, the sweet looks, the sweet words, the sweet hints, the sweet joggings, the sweet influences, the sweet love letters, which gracious souls have from heaven when they wait upon God in holy and heavenly services, the least of which will darken and outweigh all the finery and glory of this world and richly recompense the soul for all the troubles, afflictions, and dangers that have attended it in the service of God. Tertullian wrote a book to the martyrs, and he said this, That is right and good merchandise when something is parted with to gain more. He applies it to their sufferings, wherein though the flesh lost something, yet their soul got much more. Oh, the saints can say under all their troubles and afflictions that they have food to eat and drink to drink that the world knows not of, that they have such incomes, such refreshments, such warmings that they should not exchange for all the honors, riches, and dainties of this world. Let but a Christian compare his external losses with his spiritual, internal, and eternal gain. And he shall find that for every penny that he loses in the service of God, he gains a pound. And for every pound that he loses, he gains a hundred. For every hundred lost, he gains a thousand. We lose pins in his service and find pearls. We lose the favor of the creature and peace with the Creator and perhaps the comforts and contentments of the creature, and we gain the favor of God, peace of conscience, and the comforts and contentments of a better life. Did the men of this world know the sweet that saints enjoy in afflictions? They would rather choose Manasseh's iron chain than his golden crown. They would rather be a Paul, a prisoner, than Paul enwrapped in the third heaven. For light afflictions, they shall have a weight of glory. For a few afflictions they shall have these joys, pleasures, and contentments that are as numerous as the stars of heaven or as the sands of the sea. For momentary afflictions, they shall have an eternal crown of glory. It is but winking, and you shall be in heaven presently, said the martyr. "Oh, therefore, let not afflictions or troubles cause you to shun the ways of God or to leave that service that should be dearer to you than a world. Yes, than your very life. When the noble, generous Zadalsus had lost his hand in the war, the king sent him a golden hand for it. What we lose in Christ's service, he will make up by giving us some golden mercies. Though the cross be bitter, yet it is but short. A little storm, as one said of Julian's persecution, and an eternal calm follows. Christian, don't fall into this device of Satan to turn back from serving God because you're scared. You can do this. The Holy Spirit can enable you to serve the Lord with boldness and with no fear present in your body. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. It's time for your absolutely most positively favorite moment of every episode, The Christian Dad Joke. We have a simple one. I hope you enjoy tonight. Where's the first baseball game found in the Bible? Again, where is the first baseball game in your Bible? In the big inning, Eve stole first, Adam stole second, Cain struck out Abel, the Giants and the Angels were reigned out. <laughs> that was the first baseball game in your Bible. Hope you enjoyed the Christian dad joke of this episode. It's time for this segment of Food for Thought, where we deal with controversial topics or possibly new ideas that will truly give you food for thought. On this episode, we want to deal with a subject that was brought to me by a listener. It is the question of this Should a Christian wear jewelry? Is the first thing. The next question is If it's okay for a woman to wear jewelry or ear piercings or things of that nature, why is it then wrong for a man to wear? That's a question that is pretty deemed possible. There are many Christians in this day and age that believe it is wrong for women to wear makeup or jewelry, and they cite a couple of New Testament passages that seem to forbid such things. And um we want to obviously we want to respect the convictions of all believers. I'm not telling you my opinion again on the segment food for thoughts, I do not tell my opinion on these subjects. I will say that there's nothing inherently wrong with wearing jewelry, makeup, or braided hair, as long as it's done in a modest manner. Also, these things can never replace good deeds or a humble spirit. A Christian woman should not be so focused on her outward appearance that she neglects her spiritual life. I have came up to this idea because recently I have taught and discussed tattooing and dealing with bodily adornments such as tattooing. My question is, when you got your piercing, mostly to the ladies, maybe your ears pierced, maybe possibly for some of you a nose piercing, belly button, I don't know what you're piercing. My question to you is, why did you get it pierced? What was your reason? Did you get it because your friends had it in elementary school? Did you get it because when you went to the beach and wore a bikini, you wanted people to see it or... What were the reasons why you got it? Because it made you look prettier to the boys at school who looked at your flesh? I mean, what were your methods? Did you get it to possibly look nicer in church and, and to serve the Lord and to do that? Why? Because it started through pagans, just like tattooing did, where they used it for idol worship and body worship. My question to you is I'm not saying it's wrong or right to do such things. I'm just asking why. Why do you wear jewelry, whether you are a male or a female, why do you wear it? Those earrings, the nose piercings, the for some people a tongue ring. I hope you don't have that. But anyways, nonetheless, if you have them, why do you get them? I challenge you with this, just ask God to help direct your decisions instead of trying to direct them yourselves. And I do challenge you to come out from among them and be ye separate. There are many girls that I know that are Christians, that wear jewelry, wear makeup, and wear the adorning of hair. And I'm not saying it's wrong, because these girls look very nice, very pretty, very modest. But my question would be, not necessarily on the outward, but it would always go back to the inward. How is your heart when it comes to these things, and why do you do what you do? You're listening to the BPS Podcast. We appreciate you so much for joining us on this episode of the Bearing Precious Seed podcast. And until next time, work for the night is coming.